from the creators who brought you RuPaul's Drag Race and Million Dollar Listing. This is World of Wonders Wow Report. Things that make us go wow. Hello everyone and welcome to this week's edition of the Wow Report. Our 350th edition. What? Wait a minute. Now, I was just wondering the other day if we've gotten past 200 yet. You're telling me we're 350? <laughs> That's right. But it must be like six or seven years in. That's like something like 3,500 things of the week that have made us go, wow. James, it's the year's 2023. <laughs> it, it, I'm still in 2016. So <laughs> me too. <laughs> Uh, I'm co-founder of The Wow Report, Fendon Bailey, joined by our Chief Creative Officer, Tom Campbell. Hello, hello, hello. And editor of The Wow Report, of course, James St. James. Uh, you can watch The Wow Report for Radio Andy on our YouTube channel, Wow Presents, and get the added bonus of visual extravaganza from the three of us. Uh, and you'll also get some extra content that was cut out for time sensibilities taste what have you um all right so um yesterday was 420 so i hope everybody's not too baked or post-baked and uh let's start at number 10 tom number 10 i just last night saw this movie i went to sleep i woke up and i'm talking to you so i'm gonna be processing it real time with you guys and I'm very split about it. It's the movie Air, directed by Ben Affleck about the Michael Jordan oh, Air yeah, Nike. Yeah. Okay. okay, yes. The first Amazon movie since uh, pandemic to get an actual theatrical release. I went to the Century City Mall, which is just so big and overwhelming. Wait um, a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Hold on. I just have to clear something up here. Yeah. You the first time I you don't go to the movie theater. I very rarely hear you going to movie. You went to the movie theater and sought out a movie about Michael Jordan's. I had two friends. I was finishing my work day at six, and friends text and say we're going to see Air at the Century City Mall at seven. You want to join? I was like, yes, because it's the new leave your home, don't just work, Tom. It's the seize life by the. You know, so I, I went with that, like. I'm going to a mall. I'm going to see people. I'm going to see a movie. So it was less about wanting to see a movie about a shoe than just wanting to go out and see yes, people. But you heard good things about it. The, the audience loved it. It gets like a huge high rating on Rotten Tomatoes. So please disregard me. But kind of like Top Gun Maverick, it's a white guy. I haven't been surrounded by such white, so many white, aggressively heterosexual people since freshman year of college. You know what I mean? It's just like, it's just, and there's nothing wrong with white heterosexual men, but boy, do they have their own talk, you know, whoa, and sports and, 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 <laughs> and, and, and hugging it out and, and, you know, being dad, divorced dads on Sunday. And, you know, it's just, and I, I got home and I started reading about it a little bit. And, um, you know, Michael Jordan had nothing to do with the movie, except he did meet with Ben Affleck before and he made rec these recommendations. He basically had him include two or three characters that were not included, who happened to all be black, who are very important to the story. One played by Chris Tucker. And, said, and he also recommended that Viola Davis play his mother and that his mother and father be amplified in the story, that they, you know, that it's rewritten. And so he and, and Matt Damon did that. Matt Damon's also in it. Um, it, it, it play, you know, the problem with movies, and it's I've been around too long. We've talked about this before. Is you know the formula, and sometimes you something distracts you from the formula, and you buy in, and you don't pay attention to the formula. This one was all like, I'm Matt Damon, and I'm playing fat. Mm, I'm a middle-aged man, and I'm fat. Oh, I want to, I want to put our money into Michael Jordan because Nike is not nowhere in bas is basketball. We're only in running, and it's like he just meets resistance from Ben Affleck to fight. He just meets resistance, meets resistance. They just keep reinforcing what a tough thing. And then he gives an impassioned speech and everyone imagines changes their mind and everything happens. There's a great little twist at the end where you think that it's going to resolve and there's one more twist. And that twist involves a really good scene with Viola Davis who, as much as I want to like, because at least she doesn't like the ugly cry where she just lets the snot roll down her mouth. Just yeah, do that yeah, more. Yeah. And, I, and I thank her for that because it just gives me the heebie-jeebies, especially post-COVID. But um, she is an amazing actress and she brings such life and vitality um, 
to the movie. People loved it. You know, Top Gun was like a video game. It was like, yeah, but it was also kind of about white supremacy and guys and killing and things. And this is kind of about corporate greed masked as these underdog white guys, bros, just trying to make a, to turn a billion dollar business into a multi billion dollar business. So someone, <laughs> someone said, again, everyone enjoys it. It's, it's kind of masterfully done, uh, but it gave me the creeps. There. You know, it sounds kind of niche. <laughs> it, to me, it sounds like a segment. Yeah, well, it, it's it's yeah, it's a niche thing. of uh, about um, two hundred million white men who can relate. So you know, and yeah. I guess the, Jason Bateman's in it. Matt Damon, you know, it's 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 kind I of like, like Matt Damon. I I like Matt Damon. I like Ben Affleck. I like Viola Davis. I mean, I imagine maybe at two in the morning when it's on, you know, TNT or something, I'll yeah. watch a little bit of it. Yeah, I'm just it, trying it, to say it's. Um, hmm. I'm sorry. Um, no, I was just going to say it sounds kind of like, you know, it's not like a new thing. Was it's a shoe? Like yeah, that's just it. Other like, shoes, like how, it's a of sneak. all the of all the great stories that are probably being pitched in Hollywood right now. Why would they go with a story about a shoe? Because straight guys love Michael Jordan, bro. He's the best. Look at that. Look at that tape. Look at him. Look how confident. Look how do they know? Does anybody in the in the in do any of the like Gen Zs and, and millennials do they care about Michael Jordan or is this just a Gen yeah, X thing? They do. The soundtrack was so good, but distracting because it's all 1984. They show cars. They show Cuba. They show clips of Dolly Parton with Ryan. You know, they really spent a lot of money on archives just to put you in the mood. But ultimately, it's kind of like a board. You know, it's it's ugly offices and really simple scenes. So, and it also costs like a hundred billion dollars. I don't understand that either. All right. Well, you can buy Nike Air shoes in stores anywhere, and the movies in theaters. And bum bum. All right, number nine, James. Number nine. This week, I was really, I was just devastated with yes. the Dominion Fox settlement. And when I, you know, they were picking the the jurors, they were picking the alternate jurors. It was ready to go. Everything was ready, and then it stopped. And two hours later, we learned. They'd settled for what seven hundred and fifty million, something like that. Seven hundred and eighty-seven point five million. It's still, it's you know, number one, it's not enough. It doesn't make a it's dent not. in Fox. It doesn't no. do anything. They don't have to admit culpability. They don't have no. to admit anything, any wrongdoing on the air. I was watching Fox News all day long. I took the hit and did it. They didn't mention it once. You know, and it's not so much that. Well, it's, it's a number of things. Number one, yes, I did want to see them suffer. I did want to see Tucker have to get on the stand and Sean Hannity. I wanted to see all that. But more than that, you know, it's they do such a disservice by lying. And when you see it's such a bigger problem that we've seen, you know, in the past couple weeks there, they've been, you know, We've seen the effect of whipping the electorate, the right wing electric into a frenzy. Just we saw, you know, um, uh, the bud anti trans thing keeps getting bigger and bigger. You know, the shooting of Ralph Yarl, the cheerleaders get shooting, get shot, getting shot like all these people are getting shot. And it's all these angry white men who are getting older and they're afraid and they're being told to be afraid they're being told we're going to come for the democrats are coming for your guns democrat you know gays are grooming your children the transsexuals are trying to take away the straight people's rights like they're just telling all these lies and for them not to be caught on it and to uh, not to have to admit it it just perpetuates this problem and it's get this anger keeps getting worse and worse on both sides but mostly on the right i 100 percent agree i'm pitching a show fenton is there something we can do like recreating the trial or hypothesizing the trial oh i love that the trial that never happened that would be so good. I mean, because we do. Yes, Tom, carry on. Go for it. No, because everything's public record now, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, the good news, James, if there's a little bit of a glimmer, there's another multi-billion dollar lawsuit heading their way. But and they have, said, no... they have said they intend to finish what Dominion started. 
So, but don't that you may... think that, that they're going to try and settle again, and it's just going to be settle after settle after settle? I pray again? not. I hope and they go all the way through with it. But you, you know, know, I saw Jake Tapper talking to the head of Dominion, and he asked him point blank, "Why did you not go far enough in the settlement and have them include a you know an apology and honor yes. apology?" And the guy, first of all, he just doesn't answer. You know, people just don't answer right. questions anymore. That's what they it. teach you in corporate communications. Yeah, just you, well, I've learned. From from the best. <laughs> Thank you, sweetie, for the backhand. Ah, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But, <laughs> but the guy. But he finally said, you know, the law is not about apologies. The law is about getting. You know, the, it's about making the settlement with the money figure. Blah, blah blah. There was no. There was no way to incorporate that into part of a settlement. Which I don't know if I believe, but it's just. Well, what if they exactly? What if they demanded it and made it a threshold issue and saying without an apology, there's no settlement. I mean, what? Uh, yeah, I, I, I mean, I just, I don't quite understand. I don't know what the fix is because it just seems like, like they go unimpugned and they just keep going and going, and going. I mean, their announcement, Fox's announcement afterwards, this settlement reflects Fox's continued commitment to the highest journalistic standards. <sighs> We are hopeful this allows the country to move forward. They from don't these want issues. the country to move forward. And, you know, in, in light, in, in, in light, because they put that out, I saw on Twitter that the MAGA crowd is spinning this as a win for Fox. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I do think their history, sorry, Tom, but I do think that history will show that Rupert Murdoch has been one of the most pernicious, damaging. Him and his awful family, uh, but that's only if 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 the left wins. If we keep going into a handmaiden dystopia, then they win, and he's history will remember him as one of the greatest heroes of all time. It, you know, the history belongs to the media and the writers. Here's the thing. I mean, I, I do think history that the true record, I, I naive perhaps, romantic even, that the true record comes out in the historical wash. And that, you know, you just have to look at Fox's track record, uh, the news calls track record of, you know, a wash in lawsuits and settlements and sexual harassment. I mean, uh, 787 is a lot of money, but also 139 million over the phone hacking scandal that they were responsible for um, in the UK. 90 million over uh, Roger Ailes and Bill O'Reilly's sexual harassment. I mean, Hundreds of millions of dollars for malfeasance and, and illegal behavior. I mean, but history doesn't record. I mean, when you look at Mary Magdalene, who is a sweet, <laughs> naive woman who was painted by the church for hundreds of years for right. being a whore, and she wasn't. I mean, like, history does not always go the way that we want it to go. In the Evil sometimes, you know, triumphs over good. Tom, I need your wisdom and perspective. Here. Only this that I will repeat Dan Rather, who's much wiser than I. And he says, like, you know, $750 million seems like a lot until you divide it by the number of lies they have told on Fox. Uh-huh. And it doesn't seem like much at all. Well, more to come in that space, I guess. I love that idea of let's let's figure out how to make the trial that never happened. Yes, um, I do. I like and you could I mean there's a lot of trials that I mean you could go to and you know, the Trump uh, impeachment or, you know, whatever. Yeah, yeah. But, <laughs> all right, moving on. Number eight. Number eight. Actually, sort of not unrelated. Uh, there was an article in the paper the other day, um, the menendez Menudo connection. So here's a little backstory. Years ago, in 1900, and I think it was 89, was it? The, the Menendez brothers stormed into their parents' house and, living room and shot them to death and then they were ultimately arrested for the murder it was believed that it had been a mafia hit but they were arrested they were put on trial uh not once but basically twice um and found guilty of murdering their parents the twist is that they revealed that they had done so because their father was raping and molesting them and at the time we'd obviously never really heard of this kind of domestic sexual abuse especially father on father on son not as a defense not as a defense never that's right and it was called by the media the abuse excuse and no one really believed them because like i i just think the idea seemed so outrageous well 
um, in the second trial, and I think this is yet to really be fully exposed and discussed, it was the same judge in the first trial as in the second trial. And this judge in the second trial changed the rules of the game. He didn't allow cameras into the courtroom, which is debatable, but he also didn't allow all the material that was presented in the first trial that lent weight to the idea that they had been molested. And he himself, even the judge, called it the abuse excuse. And at the end of the second trial said none of the material that had been presented could be used in reaching a judgment. And so, you know, inevitably, they were sentenced to um, life in prison where they have remained ever since. Um, and we, Rennie and I, made a film for Lifetime called Menendez Blood Brothers a few years ago that explored this idea that they had actually been sexually abused, that they were actually telling the truth. And one of the sort of weaknesses, I suppose you could say, in the argument was that there was no evidence that their father had molested anybody else. Until now, uh, one of the former members of Menudo has just come forward and said that he was raped in the Menendez family home by the Menendez brothers' father. Wow. Why has it taken him 30 years to come forward? If he had done it 20 years ago, wouldn't that have solved some problems for the Menendez brothers? I, I, understand, and I, understand, I understand a lot of people, you know, do not come forward with, with childhood abuse or, thing, you know, sexual abuse. Years later, it takes time. You know, you have to deal with it yourself, blah, 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 blah. But if there's other people whose lives are at stake, wouldn't it have been nice for him to come forward? You, you answer your saying, you, you ask the question, you answer it because it's, it's who knows what powers, what, what affects you to keep it in or how much you're worried about destroying your own life or what you remember or what you repress or what you told yourself, all the things you're saying. So I, I don't know that we can even speculate on that. And, mm. and I, I mean, uh, in his defense, I don't believe that anybody comes forward and lies. You know, I, I, I mean, like, I, I believe him. I, I believe the victim here. But I just wish he would have done it sooner. If if in fact it did happen, I feel bad for the Menendez brothers. I also, you know, going back to the '89, the fact that the Menendez brothers went out shopping all day, you know, and bought the car and was on Beverly Hills. Like it seemed like it was a class issue that we that that happened with them as well. So it's just it's a it's a you know wild story all around, and it just it never. Do you think it'll make any difference to the Menendez brothers, Fenton? Yeah, I, I I wish it would, but I um, you know, the opinion seems to be that it's too little, too late. Um, but I do think it sort of shines a light on the fundamental unfairness of the of the second trial and the fact that it was the same judge and the fact yeah. that he changed the rules so profoundly. And this judge, I'm kind of interested to sort of seek him out because this judge also was the judge who presided over the Rodney King beating, the trial of the police officers in the Rodney mm. King beating. And it was his decision to move that trial to Simi Valley, oh, which, as God. we all know, is basically a white supremacy stronghold, thereby almost guaranteeing a not guilty verdict, which, of course, resulted in the L.A. riots with tremendous loss of life and suffering. He also, I mean, you start to read it, and then this judge also presided over the, the McMartin case the oh, high the, school the, the nursery school being, abuse, yeah. which of course was a big heap of nothing but in the process of being the most expensive trial california has ever seen also destroyed the lives of countless people mm. wrecked countless families mm. and no it, it was just a whole heap of nothing and, and set, set a precedent a dangerous precedent that, that continues on to this day with yes. people saying pointing to that saying well they lied so you know we don't have to listen to any other there's your second doc limited doc series let's keep going i know we're going two for two uh what will the next part of the show throw up in terms of show ideas (laughs) let's take a break and find out jess do you have a question for us i do have a question for you jess hey jess since yesterday was 420 i have 420 themed questions Here is the first. Which U.S. state was the most recent state to legalize medical marijuana? Very good. We'll have the uh, uh, 420 answer right after the break here on the Wear Report on Radio Andy. 
to World of Wonders Wow Report. Things that make us go wow. Hey, welcome back to the Wow Report. I'm Fenton here with Tom and James and Jess. Just have to tell you, All Stars 8, RuPaul's Drag Race, All Stars 8, premieres May 12th, Paramount Plus uh, uh, in the US and Wow Presents Plus around the rest of the world. So you can see which queens will be sashaying back into the workroom on the Wow Report and meet all of the Drag Race All Stars 8 queens at DragCon. Get your tickets at RuPaul'sDragCon.com. All right, Jess, you had a question for us before the break. Yes, the question is, which U.S. state was the most recent state to legalize medical marijuana? It's tricky. It's a little tricky. I'm going to say either Ohio or Hawaii. Hawaii. New York. I think it's New York. It actually is Kentucky. Oh, okay. Well, maybe well, they'll, New York. they'll chill the F out now that they have a little legal marijuana in Kentucky. <laughs> huh? Well, isn't Kentucky like the oxy capital? Like they're... <laughs> it's a drug hub. Louisville is a drug hub. And they've got Mitch McConnell, so they got a lot to deal with. <laughs> you know, they rebuilt the Ark. Oh, yeah, yeah. The, the, yes, I do remember that. See, I, it's a museum. I want to go to it. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Jess. Uh, let's carry on with the top 10 things of the week that made us go wow here on the Wow Report. Tom, number I, seven. Number seven. I went to the theater because, you know, it's the new me. It's the, it's the new post-COVID me. I'm going out. I'm doing things. I'm seeing people. You're, you're a socialite is what you are. I you're am. Right? I am. Yes. <laughs> and I went to the Geffen Playhouse in Westwood. And I saw a production of Ava written by and starring Elizabeth McGovern. I love it. I know. And it's about Ava Gardner. And it is basically the time period where she is doing her autobiography. It's later in life. She's living in London. You know, it's just my friend Greg was saying it was so great to be back in the theater because it was just like a lush like London apartment set, you know, it's just like a, a, a you know, it just makes you feel the, the curtains were beautiful and the settee and the little drinks. And it felt like you were so in the it, theater. It, it's sort of like in the, in the, when the Diana Vreeland was the one woman yes. show. Yes. yes. Or the Truman Capote where they're just sitting around a fabulous apartment telling stories of their lives. Yes. There's a great opening line, which I think is in the promos, where she's like, you know, because she calls up this writer out of the blue, uh, who a lot of it's their dialogue as he's trying to get it out of her. She tells her stories and she says, I need the money. She goes, it's either write the book or sell my jewels. She goes, I'm rather sentimental about my jewels. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, at first, uh, uh, Elizabeth McGovern is is not the first person I think of to look like Ava Gardner because Ava Gardner later in her life. And she's a great actress. It's just fun. It's juicy. It's saucy. Um, an actor whose name I forget plays the book uh, author, you know, trying to get, get stuff out of her. But also he breaks into all the different characters in her life. So when she remembers things, they go into little scenes from her past. And of course, she was married to Mickey Rooney. She was married to Frank Sinatra. She was married to Artie Shaw, as was Lana Turner. Because I always get Lana Turner and Ava Gardner kind of confused because they're from the same time. But, you know, Lana Turner's the blonde bombshell and Ava Gardner was the dark-haired bombshell. Um, I mean, literally, no, no. I mean, Lana Turner was a beautiful woman. But Ava Gardner has one, had one of the great faces of the 20th century. I mean, one of the most beautiful women of all time. yes. And there were so many scandals in her life, you know, that when you think just even did they address like when um, she got the role over Alina Horn in Showboat and what a scandal that was. And well, here's, you know, I'm not going to spoil the ending for you. And here's why. There was a power outage halfway through the 90 minute performance. (laughs) (laughs) Which made made it even more exciting. I'm going back, but I haven't yet. But it was like, you know, it was literally because there was a there's a theater next door and it had rock music and it bled 
just a little bit through the wall. Not horribly, we're still listening, we're like, hmm. And then, you know, again, it's a beautiful backlit window in London in the background. And every now and then, and I can't tell if it's me, because, you know, how age I am Might now. be having a stroke. Every now and then, there's like, it's like, like a little bit of a surge. Like, oh, I'm like, oh, I guess. And my friend Greg, like, I thought maybe that was cars driving by in the back. <laughs> we're just all making a <laughs> trying to, and then, boom, off go the lights, on go the emergency lights. And it was just a great, crazy moment where Elizabeth, she's in mid-sentence, so she keeps on talking about something, and she's like, freezes, everyone freezes, and then she turns and she goes, <laughs> um, and the, the, the stage manager comes out and said, we're, we're looking into it, oh my God, and then uh, they announced, and it was true, that the whole block was down. Um, a day later, the whole block in West Hollywood was down. It's, I, I don't want to, again, I'm, I'm turning into a cranky Fox viewer, but the infrastructure in the city, people. The infrastructure. Oh, I've been talking about it forever. James but, has been sitting in the dark for the last six months. It's true. They, um, but the thing is, Elizabeth McGovern, you know, when you think of ragtime, how fabulous she was in ragtime with, you know, when she was Evelyn Nesbitt um, and uh, ordinary people in Downton Abbey. I mean, she's a great actress. Was Does she embody Ava? She does. Like I said, there's a poster, full disclosure, there's a poster of her like in the lobby, like in a sheet. And she's kind of skinny and she, it looks like uh, a sad time, you know, like too thin, too thin, too, th- you know, scary skinny. But, and you think that's not how you remember Ava Gardner. Now, again, but she like, she's playing her old, so she's limping, but she also goes back and changes her body language and does you know, Ava talking to Mickey Rooney and doing all kinds of things. She is a good actress and it's such a compelling story. And she embodies her in the, in the way that she, her human, you know, her, her being. Well, also, I know this is, wait, this is sacrilege, but she's Lady Mary, right? In, in, uh, yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. she's the mother. She's the mother. Yeah. But what's oh, okay. But, but, She's kind of awful in Downton Abbey, isn't she? I mean, she's just always saying the same thing in the same way. Well, that's Julian Fellows. That's not her <laughs> for crying out loud. She's just giving with the dealing with the lines. She's being, but she's what she love her. She's for all her. of our radio listeners, my mouth is agape. That's why you've not heard me talk. My mouth's just wide open. My eyes are just, I wider. I all right, I take it back. I I found it to be incredible. I would not believe anyone else was. Lady Croydon. Lady <laughs> Croydon, there you go. Thank People you. People used to say, listen, dumb example, but when I worked at ABC Daytime, we had someone come in from outside who not, was not familiar with soap operas. I had watched all my children my entire life. And they were like, you know, the problem with Susan Lucci is she can't necessarily, she doesn't have the acting chops to carry a blah, blah, blah. I'm like, excuse me. I said, I have watched Susan Lucci play Erica King my entire life. And there is not one false breath. There's not one false look. When she confronts a bear in the field, I, I believe her. She is dangling from a helicopter in a <laughs> wedding gown. <laughs> yes, when she's when in a coma and has lipstick on. Who is taking over her life. Yes, <laughs> when she's in a coma with her lipstick on. I believe it. I believe it. Yes. Yes. I so, consider I myself schooled. I take it back. I take it All back. Right. But uh, it's still playing. Go see Ava at the Geffen Playhouse and hope that the lights stay on. Maybe well, Are you going to go see the rest? Are you going to see the second half? I am going to come back and watch right. the rest. Awesome. All right. Very good. Uh, Moving on. Number six, James. Number six. Well, we have to talk about succession because we didn't talk about it last week. And that was my fault. Um, It was, you know, the the episode where, spoiler alert, it's been two weeks now where Logan Roy dies. And um, it was a very, it was a triggering episode for me. My father had passed away recently and the reactions were just so spot on. It was a magnificent hour of television. It was Emmys all around. I mean, it's just, it was, it was very good. But this week we are back to the scheming kids. We're back to the shenanigans with the, with the disgusting brothers. We're back to looking at the outfits of the obscenely rich um, and there were so many moments in this episode that I just want to quickly go through and 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 laugh at um, when Marsha, the return of Marsha, and she's wearing that fabulous fascinator with the veil, and Shiv just says, "Death becomes her," <laughs> because she's the weeping widow. Um, and then Willa trotting in in her little mini dress, so inappropriate with the choker. Um, Jerry with the giant satellite dish on her head. I don't know if you remember that. Um, um, uh, when 
Con- Connor and Marsha make the real estate deal, the $63 million real estate deal in the middle of the wake and then do the spit, spit in their hands and shake it. It was like so inappropriate. It was jaw dropping. Um, let me see. There was a, <laughs> tell me what you think. Was it an underline or was it, was he crossing out Kendall's name? Which was it? We'll you know never what I'm talking know. about. We'll never know. Yeah, it's, 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 the, it's the equivalent of the hanging Chad from, uh, the, uh, from the I election. did see an in-depth reporting article that said people before who were born before 1970, when they cross things out, they go from the bottom to the top, left to right, and that's something that we were they were taught in school, and so they say it definitively that he was crossing out Kendall's name. I, don't I wonder that. how many takes in the art department it was to get that cross out to the right level of ambivalence. the director. What do you like? What do you like? No, right. no, 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 no. Give me the next one. <laughs> I wanted to throw up every time Tom said, here to serve, here to serve. That was so obsequious and disgusting. I loved when Greg said, still, like, you know, because he, like when they were trying to say that he, that he was on the list, but he had been crossed up. And he said, I'm still, I was still there. You know, like he's just his optimism that he's going to. And Roman has a brilliant line and just says that his father found him visually aggressive. <laughs> <laughs> Greg is visually uh, aggressive. <laughs> my, my reaction to last week was just, of course, of course they had to do this. Why didn't I see it coming? It also spoke, you know, the first couple of weeks we were saying, Plot feels redundant. Characters are richer than ever. And so they, boom, blew it up and made, and now we're going to, you know, go the the final laps, you know, finding out who succeeds or doesn't, or who knows how they're going to end it. I can't, I'm really looking forward to it. It's it's I've already invested every week, obviously, but I'm reinvested in a hyper fan way right now. Yeah. And I have a feeling those first two episodes had to be a little slow in order to just really just let us have it by, you know, also, just um, Shiv, I'm sorry, Shiv's pregnancy, and then she trips and falls. Yes, like, James, I love you. Run down all these amazing moments, and almost as an afterthought, you mentioned this. I, I'm curious because I feel that Shiv's pregnancy has slipped by mm. almost unremarked upon. Yeah. And, and where does that leave her and Tom, and does that give Tom an in? And, you know, it's just. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I thought last week's episode prompted the week before, I mean, was prompted a very important discussion about spoiler alerts and the etiquette of. And that's because I posted, right? uh, Okay, I'm not going to win this argument, I can see. But it was the LA Times published an obituary of Logan (laughs) Roy. And I felt given that they had done that, it was legitimate to. And oh. it was 7 p.m. on the on the West Coast. And most people don't watch the show until 9. And you are but, posting the biggest twist of the 21st century. I don't, you know, I don't, I don't buy that at all. I am very pro, uh, you know, give, giving it away. I, I think that if you can't get to your DVR in the 24 hours, you deserve it. Stay off social media, damn it, if you don't want any spoilers. Oh, if you, you are against spoilers, just stay off. So don't, don't come to me. This I'm going to be spoiling everything. Hours. This was 60, this was one minute after the episode aired <laughs> for the first time. But wait, Fendi, I do want to pause and go to the bathroom. It is called (laughs) Succession. And in the first episode of the first season, he almost dies. The series is called Succession. He's got to die sooner or later. It's not your job to let the world know. <laughs> it's not my job to wait for you to get to, to watch the damn show. I get I to talk agree. whenever I want. All right, we're talking etiquette here because I agree that once you're online, it, all bets are off. I agree with you. But yeah. I don't want to be the one who at one minute after the episode airs for the first time on the East Coast, posts an obituary on a person. I wouldn't have any times hadn't published the obituary. I wouldn't have, but I just thought it was so meta. It was like meta on meta. It's like viral. You wanted the social clout to be the first person. That's I I got clout. I was hammered. I was like, 
but, but ben, I do want to say there was a very special uh, moment, a, a scene that was written just with you in mind, and it was when um, <laughs> Carrie came in and was thrown out on her ass. And Marsha said that great line about she can take an Uber to her little apartment and live her little life. And it like, and she's like just sobbing on the floor and creates that great scene. She just creates a scene. I thought of you actually, James, because she spills the bag and there's all these pills. And I'm like, what is, what's the story that? Wait a minute. Pow- a bunch of powder and pills falls out of a purse and you think of me? How dare you? It was the capacious bag, honey, not what was in it. <laughs> and that was James in 1992, not the James of 2020. It was the bag, sweetie. Okay. Sure. <laughs> Maybe we should move on. <laughs> Please. Yes, I'm sorry. <laughs> we'll talk about succession probably for the rest of all time. Uh, <laughs> certainly till the end of this season. All right. Number five. Number five. Uh, actually, James, inspired by you, um, I came across this item and I thought, oh, that seems interesting. So last week you talked about Pretty Baby mm-hmm. and just the sort of whole toxicity of being in Hollywood and being very young. And I saw this article about Molly Ringwald. Mm-hmm. Molly Ringwald has, she's really very brilliant. You know, she wrote a piece for the New Yorker of exploring her ambiguous feelings about the John Hughes films and how right. they sort that. of aged in terms of, you know, issues of homophobia and, and what have you. But uh, she has also translated from French a biography of Maria Schneider. Oh. Um, Maria Schneider was the very young woman, a girl, woman, in Last Tango in Paris, which is a very, you know, Bertolucci's film from the 70s, a, a milestone film, an extremely controversial film at the time. And the story is, you know, it, according to this book, My Cousin Maria Schneider, written by Maria Schneider's cousin, is that, you know, that being in that film at that age was devastating to her. Um, she was an actress, very young actress, 19 years old, and that it was sort of kind of an ugly tattoo on her life. I think that's what the cousin calls it. And that her career as an actress never really recovered and that she could never really leave it behind. Plus, the scene in which Marlon Brando rapes her um, she didn't know about before the scene was filmed. Uh, oh. As Bertolucci said, you know, I I think he said something like, um, I wanted to get her reaction as a girl, not as an actress. I wanted her to react humiliated. He has since subsequently apologized for that. Um, and he said her death came too soon because Maria Schneider died young, actually, 58 years old. Uh, and after she died, he apologized. He said her death came too soon. Before I could kiss her tenderly and tell her that I feel as close to her now as I did on day one. To which, of course, Maria Schneider's cousin says he doesn't want she doesn't want your apologies and she certainly wouldn't want your kisses. So something of a really dark shadow from Last Tango in Paris. Although I do remember. I mean, do you remember the movie when it came out? Yes. I was much too young. It was like 72, but it was the first like X-rated or non-rated movie to be nominated for an Oscar and it was about rape, right? There was all the, like, Marlon Brando, presumably, wasn't it about the rape? Butter or scene. Wasn't there a very famous, didn't you rub butter the butter, on her? The butter sodomy scene. It, yes, it, it yeah. was, wasn't exactly about rape because the rape happened in the middle of their sort of consensual, you know, they would go to this empty apartment and fuck. And just, it was a sort of full-on, I think the intention was that this was a full-on sexual obsessive relationship and and i'm not in a good place about spoilers there's a twist at the end um that makes you question the whole consensuality nature of the of the sexual obsession there was a documentary that fenton rain did called inside deep throat which spoke about this very period in the 70s and i'm learning it from you fenton where independent film and what became pornography were kind of the same thing. Just, you know, sex and sexuality and sexual revolution, how much of that is included on the screen and how much of that is, you know, and they kind of broke off into these separate lanes where movies were a little more, you know, tame and pornography, you know, and VCR and all that. But can you imagine, and, and I know this is different, but it's, it's related. Can you imagine a time when there'd be sites where we could see porn 24 seven? 
of every rural. And I'm like, like it's it's sexuality. It's how do you express it? How do you sublimate it? How do you make art out of it? And I'm not saying the choices made in the past were right. Definitely not right for now. But we were living in a time where people were well, figuring that, that out. Is, that's the crux of it right there, too, is that during the, the, the beginning of the sexual revolution in the 60s and the 70s, that so many new things were being brought to the forefront that that there wasn't quite maybe time to think and process mm. is this the right thing or the wrong thing it was just a new thing and so this new idea of um sex in movies was it there was no we're, yeah. we're hurting anybody you know i don't think that they right. were and it was still in the, in the movie business was and is still better but still white and male point of view you know what i'm saying so yeah. that that skews the whole thing right there like what's someone's fantasy from that point of view versus from another point of view exactly. it's fascinating it's it's i don't think people i don't know and this is a generalization people are different and have different motivations but i don't think the general mood was to exploit people it was it, it, it but but even though they, we're, they, we're they, going they to very well did they very well did you know what i'm saying in hindsight and it's interesting that the perspective of the biography of Marie Schneider, written by her, her niece, is very much like, um, you know, that she never wanted to be seen as a victim. And that almost what traumatized her wasn't so much the what happened in the making of the film, so much as the way she was condemned and judged and treated afterwards. And the fact that no one would let her sort of move on from that and oh, yeah. always brought it back to that. I think it's dangerous to try to erase the past, but it's important to contextualize it, to even say, look at this. This isn't good. Blackface, not good, but it existed. And here's why. There's a a, a documentary on Turner Classic Movies hosted by the host who happens to be black saying that. Like, you can't just say it didn't happen. It happened. And it has roots. And it's not apologizing for it. It's not making it okay. It's just putting it in historical context. So maybe it'll never happen again. You know, it's it, it's. I remember having a conversation with you, Tom, we on this show about um, when they started putting the the things in front of Gone with the Wind. That you know, like I mean, can't can't these movie? Can't you decide on your own, or do you need to ha- be told that this stuff is wrong, or can art just exist? I, on I think right and wrong is 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 up to me. To, it's it's contextualizing it, explaining you know where mm-hmm. culture was, where you know, black people were in society, how they were depicted historically. I think it's, it's fascinating to me. We all want knee jerk, you know, and try, I'm trying, we're all guilty of it, to not have that knee jerk, you, your idea go, makes me hate you. Your idea makes me love, you know, it's, it's, it's more complicated than that, blah, blah, blah. Okay. It is. You will be excited to hear that Molly Ringwald's next project, she's going to do a memoir. Because uh, she's so, she's such a smart cookie. I love her so much. She's such a part of my 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 teenage yeah. years, and she's continued to be a great actress and just a thought provoking person and a thoughtful person. She has a lot to say, yeah. and yeah. I mean, you know, translating books from French is not what Hollywood actors normally do. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I am excited. I I will read this. I think that's exciting. Did you enjoy yeah. it? Um, I'm I'm loving it so far. I mean, Good. and maybe I maybe Molly could translate Screen Age into French. Maha. <laughs> okay, okay, all right. Let's take a break. Jess, you got a question for us, please. Blake is away this week, and Jesse is on mute. So come on, Jess. That sounds about right. Hey. Um, thank you, thank you, thank you. I have another 420 um, themed question has to do with munchies which is what happens after you know um and the question is what is the name of the famed cheetos mascot Hmm. all right we'll have the answer right after the break here on the wow report you're listening to world of wonders wow report things that make us go wow Welcome back to the Wow Report. I'm Fenton here with Tom and James, but not Blake. Instead, we have Jess. Um, and we are doing 420-themed questions. Yes. So for yesterday's 420, we're doing some questions. What? This is about munchies. Um, what is the name of the famed Cheetos mascot? 
He's an animal. That's a good thing. I think he's a cheetah. I think he's a cheetah. Maybe he's Skeeta the cheetah. It's Chester the cheetah, isn't it? It's got to be Chester. Yes. Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. (laughs) Congratulations, James. Oh, James. Cheater, the cheater, came this close to getting the part, but didn't get it, Dan. I, I, used, <laughs> to have a, a, I used to have a, a poster of the Ch- of Chester, and he was snorting uh, rails of, of chopped up Cheetos. He had like a razor blade, and he was chopping up Cheetos and snorting it. And you ask me when I tell the story of what's a face spilling the bag of drugs on the floor in succession. <laughs> Exactly. Um, I hope those weren't flaming hot because that would be a problem <laughs> for his health. Yeah. Elliot loves the flaming hot Cheetos. Absolutely mm. loves them. All right, moving on to number four, the things that made us go wow this week, Tom. Number four. One of my guilty pleasures, truly, and it's a lifelong obsession, is McDonald's. Now, I don't eat there a lot, but I, when I can, I do. And to me, all other fast food is like, it's like McDonald's is the HBO of fast food and everything else is Showtime, Turner Classic. <laughs> yeah. And um, I, uh, they came out this week, they're making a lot of changes. And, and you know how they're, they're famous for like the McRib or like ridiculous, like stunty kind of items to get Damn you. Rock shakes. Yes, things that are sort of seasonal and come and go. But now, it's a crazy thought, but they're just going to make their burgers better. Cheesier, <laughs> hotter, better quality. Have like tutorials for the workers to like learn how to make the stuff. And best of all, they're bringing back the Hamburglar. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> now, well, what, what, what's your relationship with McDonald's? Well, Grimace, all of those. Yes, those characters are all beloved to me. But is this is this a case of like New Coke where like it's don't screw with a classic? This has been the standard for sixty years. Do we need this is new- gonna say too much about me, but I think McDonald's used to have better quality. Or maybe my digestive system was much better. No, you know what it was, honestly, because Burger King has the same problem where after they remove trans fats, uh they the French fries have never been the same as they were in the nineteen seventies and eighties. No, but we used to, uh we used to love, like, like McDonald's was like the most, I'm from poor white trash. And the idea that the school trip that you'd stop at McDonald's at the end of the game, you'd stop at McDonald's at the end of the math meet, you'd stop at McDonald's. You get your, your the prettiest girls in school would work at McDonald's and you'd go and see them on Saturday night. It's just like, it was everything. And so the, I used to eat them and feel good about it. And now it's like, when I eat it, I can feel it going through my body, like one globular. Um, <laughs> What are those bergs? What are those bergs in the sewer that are full of like uh, oh, 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 the fat yes. bergs? Yes, fat burgers. Yes, whatever. I agree with you because to me, pop tarts are the same thing. It no. is it or Captain Crunch with Crunch Berries. It's it takes me back to Saturday morning watching cartoons, like being in a safe space is yeah. what it is. Can I tell you the pride? that my family had, that we had all of the Hamburglar, uh, McDonaldland people on glasses. You could get glasses yeah, with all, and we had them, all of them. We had the classic ones that were just standing, and then the second set where they were all kind of in motion. We, we just thought <laughs> we, were the, we were the Rockefellers. We were the most important people on the block. My uh, little McDonald's right. story is when they came to England in 1976, it was such an epic experience to go to McDonald's. It wasn't fast food. It was like, high fine dining <laughs> and um i really loved their coffees until recently that the, the coffee they would yes, the cafe. but i started notice my feet started tingling after i drank one <laughs> and i think i i was like because i think they're very very sweet i mean they have this gorgeous coffee taste that is just obviously so you were you were you were getting diabetes i think i would have i continued yes so i may be bringing in um we may be doing a mcdonald's tasting in a, in a future episode just to, to see how things yeah, have really ratcheted up okay. love a mcflurry all right um number three james number three is this week has been the first week of kelly and mark live on abc mornings and um 
it's interesting because there's been a weird backlash online where people are saying that's terrible cancel it it's or they have no chemistry together this but it's weird because i watched it I, i've watched it every day this week i love it i you know i think mark consuelo is adorable i think he is just the cutest thing on the planet that is a fact that is a fact. I think he's I, better than Ryan. I, I think he's I better than Ryan. Accidentally catch, and I thought, oh, who's this new guy? It's kind of good. Yeah, and you know, Kelly Kelly can talk to anybody about anything at any time. She is a pro. She is one. Of, she's like my stepmother. But I had a stepmother who could just talk a blue streak to anybody, and that and Kelly, that is Kelly's superpower. I think the two of them together. You know, he's been a guest host a hundred thousand times on the show, and he's he's just fantastic. Can I tell you the true hero of the morning of of live is Gelman? Oh, Gelman. Well, yeah, Gelman. Yeah, keep going. You know, it's just because I, years ago I met with him when Kathy Lee and Regis were on when I worked at Davis. I thought, and he was like, you know what? Because and Kathy was thinking about leaving. He goes, if you replace Kathy Lee with a younger woman, Regis has got twenty years left in him. He was right. And then, you know, he brought it, you know, and then the idea of bringing in Mark and that first episode where everyone's watching, they played so many clips of Kelly and Mark on the show for like 26 years when they're in soap operas, when he guested, when they did bits. And it just made you feel like he's been there forever. And we realize how much we love him. Yeah, exactly. I am looking forward to this giving the the show 20 more seasons. I, I think they're fantastic together. I love them together. So. Yes. Good luck to them both, right? Yes. Onwards, yes. yes. Uh, number two. Number two. Had a little adventure. I went somewhere this week. Um, you know, Screen Age, my book about uh, how television changed our reality from the eyes of Tammy Faye to RuPaul's Drag Race is out now. And so as a result, I am offering myself to anyone and everyone, including going to the University of California in Santa Barbara. Um, Constance Penley has taught a porn studies class there. I love that name, Constance Penley. You can't make that up. She is. She is so fabulous. And she's been kind enough to have me before. And I was like, hey, Constance, I got this book. Can I come talk to your students? And she was like, yes, come on over. Um, Because there's a chapter in Screen Age all about pornography and inside deep throat. And she shows... um, Pornography, The Secret History of Civilization, which is a series we made for Channel 4. She shows it to her students. So she said, come on over. And I was amazed, really. I mean, it was just so nice that in the time we're in, where it is so polarized and where there's this sort of backlash against so many things, including, I suppose, frank discussions of sex and sexuality, that this course has been going on. It's an elective course, so no one is obliged to take it. But in the room, it was just refreshing to be in a room where people were prepared to talk about pornography as a critical part of media, as opposed to just some sort of moral threat. And she's been doing this course for pretty much, um, what, 23, almost 30 years. And just power to her. That's really what I wanted to say. Um, And she has, you know, John Stalliano, she invites porn directors or Steve Hirsch or people who work in the business to come and talk to their students about it. And I just thought what an what an incredibly valuable thing she is doing and how great in this sort of era of moral panics that she's not under attack and that, you know, it's good to know that in certain places, um, intellectual pursuits are being pursued in an uncensored way without restriction. And how do you find the kids? How do you find the kids' reactions? really great i mean what's interesting is that they're not you know they're not studying a a, you know they're all studying something else and they apply to be in her class and she selects them so some are studying math some are studying political science and the result of that is that you get a real kind of that they're all super engaged because they've it's not easy to get into her class it's huge demand and they all participate and they all have coming from a different point of different disciplines but, oh, my gosh, so welcome just to be removed from the drumbeat of the victim dialogue and, the you know, the sort of the auto, the automatic arguments that don't really get sufficient intellectual rigor, that aren't put through enough like rigorous analysis to say, hang on a second, 
what's really going on here. Interestingly, Sheila at HBO bought The Secret History of Civilization, had us re-edit it, and then said, I can't show this and put it in the bin. But in the course of doing that, she saw in our series, Constance Penley, called up Constance Penley, and offered her a huge deal to make a series called Porn 101 with Professor Constance Penley, which they proceeded to film And Constance was telling me this, I had no idea, proceeded to film this multi-part series and it was finished and delivered to Sheila. And apparently she took one look at it and said, I can't show this and replaced Constance Penley with a porn star. So (laughs) Constance Penley giving these lectures about the history of pornography was replaced by a porn star. I mean, it's just like classic sort of, things that go weird in TV story. Um, <laughs> it was like, Constance Penley was like, almost like seeing herself lip sync, being lip sunk by a, like, like Martha Wash. She was the Martha Wash of porn. The Martha <laughs> Wash of porn. Exactly. Exactly. We're just going to take one more break before we reveal the number one thing that made us go wow. And But I just want to tell you, next Thursday, the 27th, I will be at Strand Books in New York City with Ronan Farrow from 7 p.m., hosted by House of Love Cocktails, uh, doing a Q&A about Screen Age. So I hope I see love, you. I love The Strand. If you've never been to The Strand, just go for that because it's one of the best bookstores on, in the country. What, seven awesome. miles of books or something like yeah. that? Yeah. Can't wait. Thank you. All right, let's take a quick break because when we come back, very excited to reveal this week's number one thing that makes us go wow it's it's i I would just tease it by saying it's not a pop phenomena it is about someone and some someone very dear to our hearts so i'm very excited when we come back you're listening to world of wonders wow report things that make us go wow and welcome back to the wow report fenton here with tom and james and um blake has been out this week but Jess has been standing in. Thank you, Jess. But now it's time to reveal the number one thing this week that made us go wow. Number one. I'm here. You are our number one. It's Blake's Wild Weekend. Blake, you're okay. You're alive. Tell us what happened. I am. Um, first of all, Fenton, I love that sweater. Oh my Thank God. you. It's the love I feel for you. <laughs> um, so I took a little trip this weekend to back home to my hometown. Weirdly, my best friend, roommate Steven's best friend from high school was celebrating his 40th birthday. They have a really good pop culture museum called Crystal Bridges. Uh, Safdie was the architect of it. The the Waltons have like donated all their art. It's amazing. I was there and I remembered that in the middle of the night I had gotten like alarm. My alarm had gone off and I got notifications on my phone. So I was like, I didn't think much of it when I woke up because the alarm goes off when the wind blows here because, you know, it, it'll rattle the doors and like the alarm will go off. So I call here and called the office and I asked my assistant or my who works with me, Terrence, if uh, it was windy here. And he was like, no. So he goes and checks on my house and he's looking through, you know, the door and someone there was a, a huge hole in my house, like a hole in my house. A so, hole in your house? Yes. Not so, that kind of hole. <laughs> yeah. I'm freaking out. I call, um, I, I call around, long story short, a person stole a car in like South LA and drove it through my bedroom wall at a high speed. And luckily I was not at home on a Sunday night at 2 a.m. Uh, this weekend when I usually am. Like you are every weekend, yes. Like I am every weekend or I would be dead. <gasps> My so room- there, there's just a hole. It, there's not a wall really there. No. Somebody, a car just drove into your bedroom. A car drove through my bedroom. Has there been any structural damage to the house? Is are, when do they? When can they fix the hole? When can you move back in? Where oh. are you? What's going on? I am in a hotel downtown right now. It's pretty nice. My roommate is still at the house. We just have the door shut. 
and my wall is all boarded up. Well, because well, no, but any, can anybody crawl into the wall and it, can people break in? No, no, we've got it all boarded up now. Like a professional company came and you know boarded it up. But there's that one hole down. that's about waist high that I noticed. <laughs> some arrows. Not that and, one. That, that was now. there before, Tom. Okay, okay. <laughs> that must be why they drove the car through it. They was like, oh look, there's a hole. Let's go. What happened to the people driving the car? Uh, They were never caught. It was stolen. The guy ran into my house and then ran, and the cops never found him. So 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 the the car car was left? Yeah. Yes, the car was left in my house running (laughs) with music blaring. But so. what, but what did the neighbor didn't the neighbors say anything? Don't you have any nice neighbors that would say? Are do your neighbors hate you enough not to? I mean, we, they were we, like, "Oh, a car's driven into Blake's house again." Like, <laughs> yeah, like no, that they, part, that fucking party house is what they say. They thought that I was inside dead, actually, because but oh, I don't God. have anyone's number really. So why bother calling you? He's dead. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> No, but when I was outside, you know, when I got home and was observing it, they came out and showed me this video and everything. And the only adjustment I'd make to the recreation of of Blake's story is that the car would crash through, the guy would run out, the radio would be blasting, but it would be blasting the wow report on Radio Andy. (laughs) That is enough to make you run off the road anytime, (laughs) whether your vehicle is going or Road rage, yes. (laughs) Giving road rage for 350 episodes. (laughs) Thanks for tuning into the Wow Report on Radio Andy. Thank God Blake's okay. Thank God Blake's with us. It's it's, scary. It's a scary story. It was scary. Thank you, Blake, for being here. Thank you, Tom, for being here, too. Thank you, James. And thank you, Jess. Uh, Thank you all, too, for listening. Uh, Same time, same place next week. Until then, go out and do something. That makes the world go wow.